Hello and welcome back to Over the Trent. So much to talk about. Let, let's let's just dive straight in. And after a change of boss, which we talked about on the last podcast, Nuno coming in, a disappointing loss to Bournemouth, a big win up against the Geordies, a massive win against Manchester United, and then FFP coming in. We need someone who's got the charisma to deal with this. So joining me on Over the Trent is music journalist and host of URN Mashup, Jake Longhurst. Jake, how are you? Dom, you know what? Aside from a, a somewhat humbling result, I'm doing excellently. Now, you are a Manchester United fan and, of course, a New York Jets fan, which we did a podcast about last year. Things aren't going too well for both of your teams, but you have an affinity with Nottingham Forest, don't you? Naturally. So, for those unaware, I've studied in Nottingham for the last few years. This is my fourth year and... Having met Dom and being introduced to Forest has been, it's been really lovely. It's made me feel a lot more at home in Nottingham and I, I have a lot of love for the team. So aside from when they're playing the glorious, glorious Man United, not not quite so glorious as they have been in the past these days, but hopefully still glorious at some point. You know, other than that, I'm a big fan of the Forest. Big fan of Forest. And you've been to games, you were at the iconic 4-1 against Leicester City. What a glorious day. And you've been to some other games, of course, you went to the, um, well, we don't need to go into the other games you've been to because we lost and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, we'll ignore a few of those. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, let's get back on the mood because we know there's going to be some negativity at the end of the podcast with FFP. Let's go back to Boxing Day. Now, after a lovely Christmas day I spent with my girlfriend's family in Luxembourg, what I didn't need was an out-of-form forest going to Newcastle. Now, Newcastle had lost 1-0 to Luton the week before, and I watched on the big screen, not by my request. <laughs> They're like, no, let's go put it on the big screen. Let's make sure everyone can watch this. And I just sat as we went 1-0 down to a penalty, which wasn't a penalty. I didn't swear, and I was very proud of that. And then after that, well and after that, Chris Wood just changed the world. Jake, how are you How are you now we're living in a prime Chris Wood era? It's, it's quite scary seeing two of the finest players in the world, Scott McTominay and Chris Wood, at the top of their game. I don't know what the rest of the league thinks they've got coming, but I'll tell you, it's scary. It was it was just such an exciting game. and I, It was scary, if we're quite honest, because he, he kept up with Alanga for the first goal to just slot it in, 1-1, very good. And the next two goals were prime messy. It was superb to watch. Honestly, like... His yeah, his first goal, it was it was a good striker's goal. He was doing exactly what he needed to do as a striker. No more, no less. That's what you want your player to do. He's sat in the box, he's poaching passes into the net. Prime. That's exactly what you need. The next two goals, they weren't what you need, what you want, or what you expect from anyone other than, yeah, Ronaldo Messi. Hmm. Like, how the hell he's pulled those out of his pocket, God only knows. But it was a stunner. It was an absolute sight to see those two. It was so enjoyable to watch and I was just bouncing around. And you you know when you're too excited, you just can't take it in. You can't sit down at that point as well. Yeah, you're just like, what is happening? I'm sure you had that with the Villa game. Just oh. watching, you're going like... Yeah, we both had excellent boxing days. Yeah. So we'll, we'll move on from that. But a fantastic result for Forrest and our first win on the road since September. Our first win since, uh, since November... It was just so exciting to get the new... And a, a really good, healthy win under your new manager, of course, as well. So always a good start to the managerial campaign, getting a nice, healthy win on the road. Yeah, definitely. And it's what I think Forrest as a club, as a fan base needed. That's a really good point. And it's also 
so important for Nuno to establish himself because there, there were still those rumours of loyalty still with Cooper. And obviously, we're going to be forever grateful for Cooper, but I think... I think he'll, he'll always have that special place. It's such a difficult one to follow on from, similar to... I'm not going to compare him to Fergie, but you know what I mean with the Ferguson. The yeah, it's with the love. Good. Yeah, the love that the fans held for both. Obviously, completely different in that, you know, Ferguson was there for so long. Cooper was there for a much shorter period, but both bought huge love from the fans. Well, they earned it. They earned love from the fans through what they did. So it's, it's a tough act to follow. It's a tough gig. But I think the difference being when Ferguson's been there for, 25 years and established like five different world-class teams won millions of trophies and also single-handedly created the culture you're gonna have a fall off after that steve cooper has only been there just over two years and he's created so much love around himself and okay yeah he had a, a admittedly a poor run of results at the end there but you've been missing some key players there's been it's been an injury-ridden season for a lot of teams. Forest have not been exempt. Whilst it may not necessarily have been the perfect time to let him go, if there was ever going to be a time that he was going to be let go, that did make sense for the owners, which is a shame. But you know what? He's done an amazing, amazing job for the Forest. And in the meantime, is up Nuno Espirito Santo with, so far, a pretty decent start. Let's continue with that start. Then on to Manchester United. Jake, you just come off a very good win against Aston Villa from 2-0 down to score three goals in the second half. Were you confident going into this game considering you hadn't lost to Nottingham Forest in 29 years, so before both of us were born? And the last time we played, it was messy. It's been messy all... No, let's face it, it's been messy all five times we played you. It's not been good. So I can't lie. I think up until the day before, I was pretty confident. Hmm. And then Hoyland was ill. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, no, we lose. Because <laughs> unfortunately, whilst whilst he's not been scoring goals, he's been making them. Hmm. And even though he's not been assisting, he's been doing so much in the box to distract players. He's been making runs. He's looked dangerous and he's really physical. And most importantly... Him being on the pitch stops Anthony being on the pitch. <laughs> you know, replacing a really healthy, proactive player who is actively enjoyable to watch with a player who can barely do more than a washing machine on spin cycle is not a great feeling. No, it, and I think coming into that game, I was also very pessimistic. I looked at Man United were one of the few teams last year who we didn't manage to get a single result against. Even like Man City, we got a points... We got a point against them in the last minute with a Chris Wood goal. But Man United were like the bogey team. You just stumped us 2-0, 3-0, whatever it may be. Just constantly dominated us. And then when apparently on Sky Sports, they've just found a clip of Morgan Gibbs-White saying, look at their faces. They don't want to be here. And I think that sort of summarised that whole Manchester United performance. They looked, it was a cold and miserable night. As someone who was at, in the ground in the Brian Clough stand, it, was, it wasn't pleasant to be there, but it was enjoyable because Forrest really had that sort of aggressive energy. And I want to hear your thoughts on Ten Hag. It looks like a little bit similar to where Forrest were three or four weeks ago, soulless, not soulless, but sort of really struggling for energy, really struggling for motivation. And is Ten Hag to blame for this? And do you think a change will be coming around the corner for Manchester United? Right. You know what? 
you'll have heard this a million and one times from every United fan under the sun. But so I'm going to try and put a, a different spin on it because it's not just the Glazers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're a large part of everything that's happening. And I think last week's win was partly inspired by the news about Ineos. Mm. It did feel that the team had been buoyed up by that. Like they looked a different side to what we've seen the last two months. Like I don't think anyone has seen United play that well for a very long time because even in the first half, those two goals were shabbily conceded. They, we were not, we shouldn't have taken those in. We did not deserve to concede and they were poor set piece defense that they scored because Villa are really good at set piece as well. So we didn't defend them as well as we should, and Villa are really good at set pieces. Otherwise, they never looked dangerous. They didn't look like they were going to score. Even in that first half when we didn't score, we looked attacking, we looked on the ball, we looked on the front foot. I don't know what Ten Hag said at half time, but you know, it was probably something along the lines of come on, fellas, buck your ideas up. We're 2 0 down to a team we should be beating 1 2 0. Go out there and win this. And look what they did tightened up up front shored up the defences. Alejandro Garnacho had a worldie of a game. Hoyland put an absolute beauty past Martinez. They just, they looked so on it. They they were clicked. They were absolutely in the zone. Yeah, as I say, I think a lot of that was the, the news about Ineos hmm. because culture at Man United is not good. The facilities are not good enough. Let's be honest, we all know Old Trafford is falling apart. Like Carrington is not what it should be. The uh, the like physio facilities are not there, and spending has not been necessarily the the finest point of Man United's last decade. So it was probably a moment for all of those players to sit back and think, "Oh my goodness, this this team has a real future in sight now." So if I was them, I'd absolutely feel over the moon at that point. But then you go away from home playing a team who you probably sat there as a United player. Oh, it's just Nottingham Forest. We'll be fine. And you get there without one of your most important players attack on your attack. And it's horrible, horrible cold weather right near the end of the year when you just want to get home, get into bed when it's nice and warm or go home, see your family. You can see why they just were not on it. And it's really frustrating because there's been glimpses of greatness from so many of these players individually and arguably arguably the only ones who have had any amount of consistency that were playing of course excluding Hoyland were Garnacho, Fernandez, and Mainu. when they've played this season they've been the most consistent players in our team. Mainu was and, someone who I'd not really yeah. watched a lot of and he seemed very very positive for Manchester United so and he got taken off didn't he, he got taken off around half 60 minutes about half time yeah. Something like that, a little after. It was just, it was just that was a strange decision. It? it sort of fell apart from there. I think I, it was absolutely such a poor choice. Yeah. And if you actually look at the front four, I didn't think many of them had an outstanding game. Garnacho was just constantly making the right runs, making good dribbles, but then he was just getting sorted out by someone like uh, Montiel, who had a superb game. Nia Montiel, Neocarte, Yates also was helping out. Bruno, they were really good on him. Yeah, Bruno Fernandes was very quiet, I thought. He wasn't, you know how usually, and I'm sure as a United fan you'll like this, he's very in the referee's face, he's very much a dirty rat, if you will. He's he's absolutely a rat, but you know what, he is our rat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I do love him for it, even though I would hate him if I was anyone else. Yeah, but he wasn't, he just didn't have that grittiness, which he... He felt quiet. Mm, it, and it was, anno- it was annoying to watch, because usually 
he's up there, he's aggressive, and he gets the team riled up, and he get he gets the opposition riled up, which works in our favour a lot of the time. And then it, it, it was just so... He just, his passing wasn't quite as crisp. Mm. He wasn't quite making all those runs that he usually would. He was making a lot of them, but not all of them. Mm. And after, as you say, Garnacho's, Garnacho was held in because, frankly, after his game last week, what else is Nuno going to say to his players other than contain that winger who's just won the game for United last week from 2-0 down? Yeah. So contain the player who's won a game for United last week Bruno Fernandes isn't playing at his best. Hoyland's off, so you've got Spinny Boy outright. You know, your attack's not looking brilliant. Rashford's up front in a position he doesn't love to play and has been inconsistent at best recently. So instantly, as a United fan, I'm sat thinking, okay, this isn't great, but at least we've got a decent midfield. Christian Eriksen, he's been actually pretty solid. And Kobe Mainu has absolutely been a shining star when he's been on the field for us. Every single time he's played, then I've been I've been absolutely nothing but complimentary. He well deserves every minute he's getting. And he was really shoring us up. He was playing really good defensive football, kept us progressing as well. That's the thing that not just United fans, but commentators, pundits have all said about him. Even though he's 18, he's got the confidence and composure of a player easily five to 10 years his senior because he's very, very happy to receive the ball in a compromised position quite high up in our, in our half. And instead of passing it backwards again, he will spin on the ball and make those progressive passes. He will also do the defensive dirty work. So why we took him off when we were not looking good, I will never know because Scott McTominay is not a defensive McField, uh, McFielder, midfielder. McFielder. That's, that's not his job. I'm going to keep that one though, the McFielder. The McField is great. And actually, but that's not his job. Yeah, and that sort of highlights where the two goals come from. The first goal by Dominguez, there's gaping holes at the top of the United box because Ericsson, not Ericsson, Mc, McFielder McTominay has not come back and covered the area where Mainu was covering those areas. And you just think that substitution has cost them the first goal. And then obviously the second goal. And whilst it's been good for you guys, this and certainly fantastic for Scotland, he didn't show up and he sort of embolised that whole United team in that second half. Not and it's, I, I don't think that's his fault. I think that's unfortunately Ten Hag's fault because frankly, that was a misjudged substitution. Yeah. He did not need to lose our defensive composure because we were not looking good up front. That was a game we needed to sit back and just slowly increase pressure because we, sort of- we weren't, we weren't going to run away with it. It's the sort of game United under Fergie would win 1-0 or Jose Mourinho 1-0. Yeah, and it would, Rashford... be, it would be a simple 1-0 win, though. Like, you wouldn't feel worried. But as soon as Cobby Mainy went off the field, it's like, OK, I'm really worried now. We've taken off the player who, at that point, looked our most comfortable on the pitch. Yeah, Marcus Rashford was very quiet. Now, I've never been the biggest on-field fan of Marcus Rashford, which has led to some hilarity, especially in the Wales game at the World Cup last year. Um, but he, again, was not that sort of target man that United almost needed to just put the ball up, let him hold it up, let Garnacho and Anthony run Frankly, off. we needed Chris Wood. You needed we Chris needed Wood. Chris Wood. And Chris Wood, you know, wasn't as loud and as vibrant as he was at Newcastle, but he did his job and Rashford's job much better than Marcus Rashford. Let's move on. Actually, just, just before we move on, Garnacho was obviously targeting Montiel. Now, obviously, both are Argentinian. And I didn't think about ah, that. 
But no, yeah, you genius shout from Santos to put, well, they're clearly going to play in, you know, Argentinian youth teams together. They would definitely train together. That is a genius shout from Santos, which I don't think anyone's picked up. But Montiel had a really good game and was someone who Forest fans were really looking forward to in September. He's gone off the boil under Cooper. But, you know, we've started to see him come back. And I think that summarises also players like Dominguez, who scored his second goal uh, for Forest at the city ground and a really well-taken goal. He almost slots it past Onana like he's passing. I saw Onana getting a lot of hate and I didn't quite understand it because both goals, there's nothing he could do about You can't blame Onana for those goals. Yeah. I wouldn't say the same for the defenders and Onana's been given a poor rating for the game, which is a bit of a shame because he's not had a bad game. No. He's had two good goals scored past his poor defence, especially that Gibbs-White goal. Oh. That's a That's a wonderful strike which should have been stopped by a defensive midfielder because he mm. shouldn't have been allowed to get that much space in that position. Mm. So Kobe Mainu being on the field there would have instantly neutralised the massive threat of Morgan Gibbs-White, which I think everyone in the league recognises as well. He's known for it. He is known to be a dangerous player, not just in attack with getting his assists, but from the edge of the box, he's got a mean right foot. Yeah. So the fact that we didn't have someone there to just completely help neutralise that threat opened us right up to a wonder goal from Morgan Gibbs-White. There was also Ryan Yates, which we need to talk about. He was absolutely superb, and I think he embodied what I think Forest fans wanted from that game. If we're, if we're very honest, Ryan Yates is never going to be a top-six team player. However, when he's playing for Forest, it almost feels like he's world-class because he does everything and everything to the best of his abilities. And in an article last year, I described it as doing his civic duty, and it feels like he is doing it for the whole of Nottingham. He is just so aggressive in a in a controlled way, unlike Morgan Gibbs-White with, I'd argue, yes, he got the ball, but um, it was the right card decision for the yellow card. But Ryan Yates, let's focus on him. Let's be positive about Ryan Yates. He gets so much stick, uh, especially under Cooper. He got a lot of stick from Forest fans. He's an, a product of the academy and a sort of a reminder that we don't have to go out and spend big money. He was so, so good. He's an absolute workhorse. Like, you know what, as you say, he, he does everything. And not just everything he needs to. He does every single thing you can possibly ask for, pretty much. Short of being your top, you know, your 10 plus goals a season striker or your goalie. He's everywhere. Yeah. And he's he's so what a team like Forrest need. He's absolutely perfect for that role because he just sits in the midfield and just helps you control a game. And also even, if you, even if you're going to lose a game, you won't have lost because of Ryan Yates. No. And going forward, he's the main reason for that um, second goal, that winner. Yeah. He's the one driving the ball up the field. And that academy product is also where I'm going to go for the next one. Anthony Alang has taken a bit of stick. And I thought he had his best game for Forrest. He was absolutely, you know, if I'm very honest, I thought we bought an absolute dud when, you know, he came in, couldn't cross the ball. His passing wasn't good. But I think under Santos, he's really developed very quickly. He's really improved his mental football has developed to the point where he doesn't have to run past everyone. He's not just relying on his pace. He's thinking, what's open to beside me? What's open behind me? It's more important to keep the ball than to beat the man once or twice out of five times. He was superb. A video has emerged, um, Jake, of Anthony Langer pointing to the badge whilst coming off the pitch. And obviously, it's an interesting situation because he was the United wonder boy for two years, essentially, scoring goals in the Champions League. What do you make of this? Because some people are suggesting, well, he was forced out of the club, and some people are saying, well, United were the ones who got him into the Premier League. Do you think he's right to be celebrating with his new team, or do you think he should have showed a little bit more uh, tact? You know what? 
I I do think that I I enjoy it when a player shows like a lot of respect to their former club, but that's usually from a player who's like a big name at the club. And whilst Alanga was he was well known at the club, I think you know all the every United fan knew of him, but he's not a Cristiano Ronaldo or a Wayne Rooney or something like Frank Lampard going to City. He's never gonna celebrate against Chelsea. Wayne Rooney like goes to Everton, he scores against United, he's not going to celebrate. Or Ronaldo, when he's playing at Real Madrid and Juventus, he's not just going to go mad against United. But I don't think Anthony Alanga had like that much time given to him across the time he was playing in the first team. And yeah, he was great for us on occasions. Like he was sometimes absolutely brilliant. But there was a lot of the time where he was just he was a fine player not really too much more and so I don't begrudge him for wanting to get out of Manchester and get more time in a team that's a bit lower down the league but he will get consistent first team football which will improve him so he'll become a better player and hopefully also in theory improve that other team which is just it's nice to see as a United fan watching a player go go away and you know look good it's great to see Mm. so to see him now playing really really well for an, for another team that I care about is really nice. And I'm like, you know what? Go celebrate. He's had a brilliant game, shown why he was worth buying for Forrest, and you know, made his former club look a bit silly, which frankly, I can see why he'd want to celebrate because he wouldn't want to be at United right now. I think he's very happy where he is at Forrest and go off, you know, go ahead and celebrate that. Mm. Um Nia Carte has well, played fantastically, and he's also going off to represent Senegal in the Africa Cup of Nations. So, congrats to him. Uh, best of luck at the tournament. Um, but Matt Turner, let let's be honest, might have had one of the worst performances in goal I've ever seen. Now, obviously, uh, I don't want to target that goal that. Yeah, that goal that he basically created that was appalling. People talk about Anana struggling with his hands, or they'll talk they'll talk about like David de Gea used to struggle with his feet. Matt Turner. I can't lie, that was one of the worst pieces of goalkeepers using the ball I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And you know, he's a professional footballer, but you know, everyone makes mistakes. Professionals make mistakes, but they don't rarely make mistakes quite that big. Mm. And that con- conceding a goal to Manchester United in that manner is very, very difficult to sort of explain away. It was so poor, and his distribution at goal kicks has been disappointing it's never been quite there Ethan Horvath has also had similar problems and I wonder what it must be like to be an American fan with your goalkeepers both struggling but I don't think we'll see Matt Turner play too many first team games unless there's an injury crisis um frankly um Vlachodimos he's he's been solid in goal yeah I I haven't had any significant issues seeing him in goal for Forest yeah he's not been fantastic but he was not giving away goals in the way Turner was, and I there's think... no silly goals. Yeah, this, this this isn't the first time Turner's a poor pass from Turner's left Forest in trouble. This is probably the first time it's been punished, and we got out of it with Morgan Gibbs White and Ryan Yates working so hard. But Forest are in talks right now with your train station buddy Keylor Navas. Would you like to see Keylor Navas at the City Ground? Is he too old, perhaps, to come back to the City Ground? I... Honestly, I don't think so. I think he's he's definitely past his prime. You know, there's no getting around it. Mm. But I do think what he offers, as much as anything, is training ground experience. Mm. So there are very few keepers on the planet you'd rather have 
to be in the training ground with your other keepers because he's got so much winning experience under his belt mm. and just so much composure. So if you could get a player of that experience, that wisdom, that that professional capacity to coming to your team for six months and train with your keepers that to then like help elevate them longer term as well as be a really good reliable option for the next six months i don't see why you wouldn't i think most teams on the planet would go for that short of you know the top few teams and the top five leagues they don't necessarily need it other than them pretty much anyone would go for that i'm gonna roll a very adventurous shout here but the euros are coming up in germany in 2024 england obviously have jordan pickford but Ramsdale at Arsenal, with Pope out of the picture, he wants to play games. And he's behind David Raya. Is it worth maybe for us just, you know, just, just asking the question? Just, you know. It wouldn't be a bad idea. He's a young keeper. Like, you know, there's plenty of time on him. And even if he only came on loan for a bit, he's a very, very good goalkeeper. I don't see why you wouldn't ask, because Arsenal clearly massively favour Raya at the moment. Mm. Not entirely sure why he's not been playing that great you know he's been all right but nothing special so why they bought him in over ramsdale who's much more likely to be their long-term option and is younger and just as good if not better i truly don't know it is strange isn't it so i think forest if we have the money should have a little go at ramsdale but the, that's it's, what brings it's worth a shot for sure like it would be a silly idea to just pretend it's never going to happen when actually there's a fair shout of it. And let's move on to the sort of elephant in the room, which we've been sort of expecting. Apparently Nottingham Forest have been spending double their income on player wages since the promotion season. Now, obviously, Forest needed to restock their training room, if we're very honest. We lost 15 players at the end of that championship season. Many players have come on loan. We need to remember players like Renan Lodi, Kaylor Navas, are on loan and Montiel is on loan there's lots of players who are on loan but the wages is the problem we haven't bought a lot we've loaned a lot and now we're sort of reaping that repercussions Everton have also been targeted with FFP rules and obviously Man City have 144 and before anyone goes why Man City getting punished because there's 144 cases it took Everton like eight months to get one case this is going to be a long drawn-out procedure I remember reading I remember reading a little piece that was written about it after the case and it said that the Everton FFP had been approximately 40,000 pages of stuff to go through including evidence documentation etc 40,000 pages for one charge yeah so you can only imagine how much they're going to have to go through for this Man City piece because frankly it, this will take years for it to fully come to fruition, which is appalling. They should have been, you know, this should have been picked up much earlier and there should be some sort of short-term issuing of some sort of punishment. But frankly, anything's better than nothing because they do deserve to be severely punished and hopefully within the fullest extent possible because frankly, it is appalling it's gone on this long and this protracted. If found guilty, I'll just do that for the only Of course. Words which Actually. is me um we're also sponsored by me so <laughs> so please don't say anything illegal we don't want man city no. lawyers coming down on us but no. forest could be in trouble here the big argument we have is the selling of brennan johnson for 45 million to spurs 
And that seems to be our main defence. Now, neither me nor Jake are legal experts, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But it is a little bit worrying for us to come to this. We've got to remember things like no sponsorships on the shirts last year. And we're seeing a gradual increase in uh, ticket prices, shirt prices. I feel like the club have been very aware that this is happening and are preparing the best they can. And it's also worth worth remembering, this is not the first time Maranakas has been in, in court and he's not got away with it. It won't be the last, I assume. It won't be the last, but he's come out of it very well in the past. So let's maybe just relax. Let's see what the court does. We can't impact as fans. This isn't like going away and giving support to the players. Let's just stay back, not get too worried. Don't get drawn into the social media fights and blaming City, blaming... And frankly, hmm. it's probably not going to impact this season. Well, yes, I think our main legal plan is to distract it to next year. However, Let's be honest, yeah. We want to get it done within the space of this season, which is interesting. That's what's apparently... I, I, cannot, I cannot say I'm surprised by that because of, you know, the uproar around Everton and, of course, the massive furor around the whole City debacle. But I do expect that this probably won't affect the current season. So with any luck, it will be dealt with at some point, either early next season or Forest keep themselves going. It affects you this season, but you're fine and you stay up. Yes, it, is, it could be tight down at the bottom of the seat at the league, but we've seen from Everton, if you get a points deduction, it doesn't always mean the absolute worst. No. Town and frankly... Yeah, it's shown Everton have actually come around with a massive... Like They've turned up and put two fingers up to everybody. Ten-point yeah. deduction. We're not going down. So mm. you never know. And uh, yeah, I think there's... It's not a great sign, let's be honest. No one ever wants to be hit with a cheeky FFP when you're not pushing towards the top half at least. But I wouldn't go crazy and get too worried right now. I think cautiously it should still probably be okay. Now, let's move on to Blackpool with the last few minutes of the podcast. Forest are playing Blackpool in the third round of the FA Cup. Now, Forest fans will know Blackpool is a little bit of a bogey team. Whilst it was Steve Cooper's first win as a Forest boss at the City Ground, we have many occasions losing to them in big games, such as the 2010 playoffs and the third round of the FA Cup last year. Jake, this is a game you're going to, the first this season. How excited are you to be going back to the City Ground? I cannot wait. I love being at the City Ground. I've been at the City Ground this season, of course, with you for the England oh, under-21s game, but I haven't seen Forest for a good little while. So I'm really looking forward to getting back into the City Ground, getting the atmosphere. And yeah, we're sat right, right in the Trent end behind the goal. It's going to be brilliant. So you know what? We'll keep the fingers crossed that the bogey doesn't become the bogey again. I think two leagues separating us and having some quality, quality players in the squad hopefully will tide us through here. Forest seem to be in, you know, a little bit of a gold streak. So let's keep that up. Another Chris Wood masterclass will probably keep Forest going nicely through to the fourth round with any with any bit of luck. It would be nice to have an FA Cup run like we had a few years ago, all the way to the quarterfinals. But I think this year, if we stay in the Premier League, and, you know, we see players develop and we I think we need to sell some players in January, which we'll talk about on another podcast. This could be a very positive time for Nottingham Forest, but we are aware there are some skeletons in the closets. But it could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse. Just remember, we're not... Ultimately, yeah. Derby ultimately, you could be Sheffield United. Yes. 
and Derby County lost 3-2 after being 2-0 up to Peterborough at home. So is that is that the things we love to hear podcast? That is the things we love to hear podcast. Now, Jake, <laughs> would you like to plug some of the work you do? Um, oh, why not? So for any of you heavier alternative music fans who are, I'm sure that there's a massive, massive number of Forest fans who are all about that. I run a, uh, a I run a kind of community based magazine called Out of Rage. It's online magazine and gig organizing. So we run gigs across the country and do reviews, artist interviews, etc. Very, very recently started, but got some cautiously big plans in the works. Uh, I also do a radio show on University Radio Nottingham called Mashup. Uh, can be found on Instagram, Mashup with Jake. Um, and I write for a varying number of magazines. So, yeah, find me on Instagram, Jake underscore Longhurst, and drop me a follow there to see any of my work and uh, hopefully see me again doing some more stuff with the forest in whatever capacity that may be. I believe we might have you back on the podcast, Jake. We, I think we've got a podcasting relationship here. I'm just saying, we've, we've never done no, it. Before, stop it. Stop it, you. <laughs> Jake, oh, I'd love to come on. Jake, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on Over the Trent. Have a very, well, you know, this awkward January period where you're not quite back at work and you're not quite exams. Have a very merry, awkward January period. I'm going to say it. Then Tom, you too. Have a lovely, <laughs> awkward January period. Ah, and that pretty much wraps it up. Go well and um, come on, you Reds.